Hello. Welcome back to Absolute Beginners. My name is John. My name is Finn. And we are going to continue our discussion of a fantastic journey through the very beginning stages of learning a little bit of game development with Unity, a little bit of scripting with C Sharp from scratch. And probably what else, whatever else comes to mind. Other things too. <laughs> awesome. Uh, great. So yeah, so, so there was something that you were going to talk about? Yeah, so I can tell you, um, okay, last time we talked, I think where we landed was you were doing a lot of actual messing around with the Unity Hub and the Unity Editor. I had done a couple of chapters in, um, gosh, I'm blanking his name, something Ferrone, Harrison Ferrone's book. Um, And I agreed that I was going to try to meet you on the actual practice side of things and you were going to try to use the book so here's where i am i haven't done that (laughs) (laughs) i haven't done my homework um but uh i've been doing a lot of networking just professional networking and it occurred to me that it would be cool to meet people who work in game dev because i think they're really interesting they tend to be kind of technical and kind of creative or some sort of mix of the two so I joined a couple of Discord communities and I went to a co-working hangout event uh, on Tuesday in Oakland that I can tell you about a little bit later. But yeah, that's where I am. So you want to tell me what you've been up to? Sounds good. Yeah, quick update. I have gone through some selected chapters and sub chapters of the book. I haven't yet done particular exercises, although I have gone through some chapters and sub chapters of the book that address topics. I haven't yet had come up in the uh, unity tutorials that I've been doing. uh, And I thought that's really interesting. I think that my impression so far is that the book presents a fairly comprehensive introduction to sort of all of the basics, you know, where basics is understood a certain way. It gives you a fairly comprehensive overview of, of what seem to be most of the core topics in a relatively, in a pretty compact presentation. So for example, in the book, there's uh, the topic of user interface. For example, in the book, the topic of a user interface is comes up pretty pretty quickly. You don't have to wait too long to get into that material. Whereas if you're doing the Unity tutorials, it's it's you got to get to about you know the middle of or maybe two thirds of the way through the junior programmer path before that that kind of topic comes up. Uh, so I think that they the book and the Unity tutorials seem to complement each other pretty well. And there's certain things that are more topics. There are certain topics of a more explicitly programmery nature that maybe not might not get addressed as such in the tutorials, for example. Uh, I'm still kind of working on... I, I have an intuitive... I have what I think is a kind of a rough intuitive grasp of the distinction between... Uh, variables and structs or between structs and something else. I think, you know, so structs and um, interfaces and these things, I'm still, 
you know, I, th- there's a couple of these things that I know how to use and I'm sort of dimly aware that that's what well, it is. This is great. You can tell me cause I, <laughs> I'm not, I, I would not, I would not, I would not trust myself, uh, too much, but, um, I think, a. Well, I, I, so I don't really know what an interface is, although it turns out that in Unity, if you want to uh, put certain operations described in your script, if you want to have them run as a coroutine outside of the main update loop, which so in the uh, just to rewind a little bit in when you start we create a new script in Unity, there's a template that it, it always kind of starts you off with a template and there's two methods that are always kind of there. You can delete them if you want, but um, one is the start method and anything you put in the start method will execute uh, when you run the game at first, like before the first frame, as it's sort of putting everything together, it executes the stuff in the start method. And then there's an update method, which it executes that every frame it updates. And so one way to think about you know, any sort of change or motion or things happening that you want to describe in your script, like the position of this object changes over a certain amount of time. A lot of times you would make that happen by putting something into the update method and it makes a little bit of a change happen every time the, you know, at the refresh rate of the screen, essentially, like every time you, your the screen changes the image on it. Um, now, obviously, we get a new frame quickly enough that as far as we're concerned is continuous motion. Um, you know, the magic of, uh, you know, the moving picture, the moving picture. Um, so, but yeah, basically, um, anyway, so you, there's a lot of stuff that you run. You can just put in the update function. If you want it to be a thing, that's kind of, so to speak, always, always running. Maybe you can put an, if, you know, put an if statement in there so that, you know, the whole time the game's running, if a certain condition is met, then this thing happens. And for a lot of things, I think that's kind of the way to do it. But there's other things that, um, I don't, and I don't know if it's more efficient from a computer, you know, from a processor point of view or whatever, or maybe if it's just considered a best practice to not have your update function, you know, just be like super, 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 super long because you've put everything in there. You can mm-hmm. do a coroutine, which, um, you know, in the start or update function, you, you do start coroutine and then you have the name of it. And then the coroutine is this thing that will start and then it will, uh, you can make it do some kind of computation every frame, but it's sort of running as this sort of parallel. It's not like a, a parallel thread as far as the process, you know, for, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't give you like a parallel thread for like, if you're doing like multi-core or whatever. Um, Anyway, so I thought that was interesting. The moral of the story is that the function, the, the kind of method that you write to execute as a coroutine is an I enumerator, hmm. which is an interface, which is a C sharp thing, which hmm. I don't exactly know what interfaces are, or what I enumerators are, but I know that if you want to do a coroutine, that's how you do it. Oh, cool. Now I want to read this. Yeah, so the coroutine thing is kind of cool, but it's I can really recommend this for any any sort of you know learning addict out there. If you haven't uh, played around with game development at all, and especially if you haven't played around with scripting at all, but like to play games sometimes, uh, this can be a really a really fun way. I think you mentioned this last time, Finn. This can be a really fun way to you know kind of. Uh, 
get your toes wet a little bit with programming because, you know, these scripts that you're writing are, you know, they run in these kind of simple games that you make. So it's really easy. You know, you kind of write something out, save it, push play, and you can just see on the screen something cool happen. It's not like, you know, it's not like these, these, uh, coding basic coding exercises where all you're really doing is like printing something to the console which is Mm -hmm. cool but you know um yeah that's my criticism of all those like code.org things sometimes i mean maybe they've improved on it recently but when i've done them with either on my own or with like nieces and nephews i've noticed that like they teach some fundamental concepts like assigning a value to a variable or writing a for loop and that's all cool but then it's like okay well what I, what can I do with this outside of this very constrained little environment that you've built? And the answer is nothing (laughs) as far as I can tell. Um, so yeah, I think it's cool to have something where it's like very constrained and you can use a template. It's all built up for you, but if you modify it, it actually does modify a real thing that you can play around with and show people. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So it sounds like you've been, you've been making some progress with Harrison's book. Um, so I'll probably come back to that, but I do want to catch up with you on the unity tutorial side and actually start building things more. Yeah, totally. And I think you can, uh, with respect to that, I think that it's, you should have no problem if you wanted to just jump straight into the junior programmer sort of tutorial path. I think that you could do that. I think that you could probably skip like the, the even more introductory path without, without really missing too much. Um, yeah, maybe if, I'll try that. Yeah, and yeah, a lot of it, it's, yeah, it's it's kind of a neat little blend. I mean, you get, you learn some code stuff and it's explained in a, it's actually, it's explained in a really kind of intuitive way. Like it's this video and this person like in very informal terms explaining to you kind of like, you know, what's going on, what it is that we want to do. Here's this code and it does that and you can kind of see you know, vaguely from the syntax, why it would do that. They don't really go too much into the C sharp, uh, into the nuances of, you know, of why this piece of syntax does the thing we're talking about. You, you kind of have to figure that out on your own, but you get a little bit of, um, here's how to do something in C sharp and unity. And then also here's how to use the program, the interface, like, you know, there's the, there's the hierarchy, you know, and there's like the file explorer and there's, you know, different sorts of things. Um, so yeah, I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty good, um, it's a nice mix. I can recommend it. If the main, if your main goal is to learn C sharp, I think the book might be a little bit more suited to your, to your interests. But if, if it's probably better for me to do the more hands-on stuff because my inclination would be to go and like fire up VS, VS code and, um, Oh Yeah try to learn more like the nitty gritty of the code. So I'd like to work against that myself Yeah, yeah. because don't do what comes to you naturally always. Cause uh, I did anyway. Plus it'd be cool to just build something visual. So have you, have you last time we talked you, had built what you were calling Pachinko. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you worked on that more or I haven't worked you... on, I haven't okay. worked on that more, but I've been working on a little, yeah, just like a, a kind of little project game. Um, where basically it's a top down view. I have it, I have it in the 3d view, but it's really just like this 90 degree top down view. And in the center, uh, you're, 
uh, you're like a little sphere, you know, that's, you know, kind of right on top of a sort of a white floor. Um, and what happens is, is that these kind of enemy spheres spawn into the picture, you know, kind of at a random position, you know, either above you, below you, left, right. They spawn in a random position and they immediately start moving towards you, but, and they follow your movements in this kind of way that is, looks a little bit weird. And that's partly an artifact of the way it all works is I, I kind of dreamed it up, you know, before I learned like really fundamental, um, you know, methods and things that would in a much more straightforward fashion, do what I was trying to do. But I found this other weird way to do it. Um, anyway, so there's this cool way in which these, these enemy objects try to intercept, you know, they're, they're kind of coming towards your object, but there's a little bit of a delay. And so the object of the game is to avoid them. And the trick to avoiding them is that, yeah, there's a little bit of a delay. So when they get close enough to you, if you move quickly at just the right time, you can dodge past them and then they'll go past you. And then, and then they'd hmm. stop following you. They just go in their way. Um, but the, the, it, the game is just endless. These enemies coming at you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on, on implementing uh, some kind of game mechanic where over time they sort of spawn faster. And the interesting thing is when you have several coming at you from different directions and you move around, they're all kind of moving with you. So there's this thing where um, as a bunch of them are kind of trying to intercept you. I think it's going to, it would, the hope is that it would become a little bit more, you need to start kind of planning ahead. Like, okay, I'm going to dodge this one, but then the other one's going to be coming at me. So I need to, you know, cut back the other way. Um, so yeah, it's so pretty did, simple. Did you intentionally make it so that they sort of mimic your movement or that was just a happy accident? Yeah, I did. Um, well basically, yeah, it, no, I, I, I made them do that. Um, I, well, I discovered a technique and it turns out there's a, a, a few fu functions that do this, that let you implement a kind of, um, sloppy follow or have one thing kind of, you know, and w one of them is an interpolation, you know, so it, uh, you, you can look it up. Um, the other one is like a, a, a smoothing, there's a smoothing method, um, and there's a few, and I actually found the perfect video that says, here are these three different things that kind of do the same thing. Here's the difference between them. Mm. Um, but basically what I did was I did a cool thing where um, the secret to making this, to making them follow you in this like weirdly almost um, like prescient way, it's almost like they sort of know what you're up to even as you're doing it. It's, it's very odd. And the, the, the secret is, mm. is that, yeah, is that there's actually a bunch of objects in the scene that you can't see, but that are structuring the relationship between the objects you do see. Um, so basically, I, I yeah, I, I, each enemy, when the enemy spawns, what actually spawns is a pair of things. One is this empty object that you can't see, and the other is the enemy that you can see. The empty object is um, is a child object of your main object, so anytime you move, the child object moves. And I so, see. yeah. And so these, these invisible objects, you never avoid them. It's, it's impossible to avoid them because their, their movement is locked into your movement. But okay. then the enemy you do see is following the object you don't see. I see. Okay. But it's, yeah, but it's following it with this sort of dampening thing happening. So it's possible so it's, to it's, move and dodge it's, it. 
it's a little bit sloppy and then exactly. its aim is a little bit off. Yeah, exactly. So eventually with time it will get to you because it, it sort will. of loops around the child object in this kind of sloppy manner. Yeah, yeah, the child the child object moves and then it moves too but it, you know, with a little bit of a delay, but it still preserves that thing where if you move away from it, its speed will increase to kind of so you kind of can't run from it until the last moment. I'm not really sure if it's cool or not, but it's like I had cool. this idea. I, I want to see it. I spent yeah, like I a whole weekend. It. Yeah. No, this is great. What we should do is then post. I'd like to post with each episode okay. the project that we've, we've worked on. And in my case, it will be nothing. <laughs> okay. And then in your case, it could be two different projects that you've created now. Okay, But it would cool. be super cool to share it. Um, yeah. That'd be, that seems awesome, man. So... Out of curiosity, so this these methods, it sounds like you sort of hacked away at it yourself and then you found this video where people explained it. Did you literally just like copy and paste the code that they provided? Or is it built in functionality too? No, well, uh, I didn't copy and paste it. Well, basically, they're functions that are, you know, a part, they're built in uh, in a certain sense. And, you know, for people following along, um, you'll kind of figure this out that behind the scenes in unity, there's a C sharp class uh, called mono behavior and every script that you create and do something with in unity is always a, is it, do they call them children or I'm not sure what it is, but it's like a subclass. Yeah. It's like an instance of the mono behavior class, which basically means in this mono behavior class that, you know, the unity developers have already defined a whole bunch of useful methods for you. And then whenever you use your script, write your scripts, you have, you have access to these. Um, uh, yeah. And so I actually just looked in the documentation. Um, oh, this, yeah. So I looked in the documentation about, oh yeah, like, um, you know, smooth damp, you know, how does the syntax work with smooth damp? Like, you know, how do I use it? And one thing that I discovered, which, which call, which connects to something that you had mentioned last time, I think, if I recall correctly, you were sing last time you were singing the praises of, uh, visual studio or, you know, just of good code editors in general, and I'm, you know, I understood what you're saying, but now I'm, I'm a true believer because I've converted you. You've totally converted me because now, yeah, it's like, you know, I'm not sure how they implement, you know, I'm not sure how they make this work, but when you use Visual Studio to edit your C Sharp scripts for Unity, somehow Visual Studio knows all about the mono behavior class. It knows all about these functions. And so if you type in, you know, say, you know, smooth damp, dot or just yeah, smooth damp you can yeah you can hover your cursor over it and it will show you like a, it'll all show you methods. like yeah all the met smooth damp and then also like what kind of arguments it needs to take uh and then if you do smooth and it's you know some things that have a dot you do dot and then yeah it gives you an autocomplete option and you can click down on each autocomplete option and it will give you a little description of what that one does um and so, yeah, it turns out that it, even if you just kind of have a general sense of how the syntax begins for something, you can just start entering it in and then the, the code editor will, you can learn from the code editor how, you know, the proper way to, totally. to finish the statement, which is, I think is like, totally, you know, one yeah. early on, one thing that I noticed in 
using a proper code it was like it would like actually correct some of my misunderstandings about what i was doing because i'd oh, really? be like you know this object is this type this type of object and then i'd be like type the object name and then hit dot and i'm like why do none of the right methods come up oh yeah <laughs> and then i'm like going back through my code I'm like oh it thinks it's this other type of object well let me fix that yeah like the code editor is on top of what's happening with everything as you go through it Ex- yeah the it's, other, it's the other thing that's nice is for things i mean a lot of code editors do things like this now but let's say you name a variable like john's variable one and you use it 40 times in your code and then at some point you're like that's not a very good variable name it like i think it should actually be called child object location oh yeah like so in vs code or any modern code editor you can sort of like right click on it and then change the name of the variable no everywhere way. that it happens so you don't have to go through and like find no it. way no find and replace because maybe you do you maybe you want to leave a com- comment to yourself that's like this used to be called John's variable number one, but I changed it to something else. It's only going to change actually where it's a variable. So great. Leaves your comment there. That's amazing. I didn't. Yeah. It, it's all about time saving and saving common mistakes and like auto formatting. Just let, oh, the, yeah. let the machine do what the machine is good at. Oh, totally. That I didn't know that. I'm going to have to try that now because I actually have a thing that I that would that would be useful for. Because I did it, I did notice early on that like once you define a variable, the code editor knows about that variable. So if you use it again, you can just have it autocomplete, and that way you don't run the risk of spelling it differently one time. You know, you can have it all the. But it's funny because there's things and there's misspellings that I've just I've just decided to commit to because i didn't yeah i've come to live because i didn't know (laughs) i didn't know my variable is called now exactly well tennessee and yeah well i had this i had this uh i have this method called spawn position it's uh, an extra oh yeah so okay now i can just right click right click it's a right click away i figured what the command is called but you'll you'll see it it's like how do you right click on a on a mac on a macbook with a trackpad do you know this i think it's two finger two finger it's a two finger click Oh, okay. Interesting. Or okay, cool. tap, I think. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, yeah, I have all the. Or, um, or you can definitely like highlight it, and then there's somewhere in the. Oh, okay. Bar. I okay. can't remember where, but. Yeah, they do all Brilliant. that sort of. You know, have have you heard about Copilot from GitHub? No. no, what's that? So Copilot. Okay, so GitHub we've talked about in the past, but we don't need That's to get right. into it right now. It's owned by, was independent. It's now owned by Microsoft. Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code, also owned by Microsoft. And I think most people agree they've been pretty good custodians of these products. Mm. They've come out with a new thing, which is somewhat controversial, called Copilot. And what it does is companies can pay to use Copilot. And if, so I've, you can install the extension in VS Code. And it uses AI to go through open source code and grab code that fits your needs based on the comments that you write into your code. So you could, you could write in away your code and you could write it. You can insert a comment that says, here's a function that makes object B follow object A at a distance of four pixels. And then Copilot will actually write that function for you. That's amazing. And it does it by pulling from open source projects that it's identified that are similar and then 
fine tuning it. So it's a little bit, um, some, you know, it seems really cool. I guess there's some criticism that it's taking free and open source projects that people did not intend to be used for like other potentially for-profit things in this way and helping Microsoft, but it's probably where the world is going and it seems cool to me. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can see how, yeah, from the point of view of somebody like myself, who's partly doing this project to learn, you know, how these things work to become a little bit more literate about, you know, scripting and, you know, game dev and, and all that stuff. I can see why, you know, this can, at least at this point in my development for this, it might be, it might be a shortcut that's kind of counter to my purposes, but yeah, exactly. You need to, I think for at our level, we need to butt our head into the wall a couple hundred times until we understand what we're doing. Yeah. Cause if somebody yeah, just yeah. gave me the code, I wouldn't really learn. I've got to go the hard way. Like I think you were saying earlier before we started recording, you've got to do this sort of manual process of typing it in yourself or copying it in yourself and then running it. It doesn't work. You run it again, change something, it doesn't work until you, it's in the light bulb finally goes off. Like, oh, okay, that property needs to be an energy or, okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good point. But what you're saying sort of uh, to the extent that there's any controversy, I mean, part of the controversy, like you're saying, has to do with, you know, licensing and intellectual property and, you know, um, is it, is it great that this, you know, big, oligopolist is making money off of other people's contributions to, you know, the public or whatever. I mean, I don't know. There's there's stuff like that, but also like this brings up this interesting idea about, and I thought about this a lot, not a lot, but I thought about it some about just uh, technology and, you know, in the very broadest sense, a way of doing something or the understanding of a way of doing something uh, that's effective and that is, is repeatable and learnable by other people. It sort of seems to me, and I, I'd be interested to hear what your take on this, but it kind of seems to me that once, once a technology, once somebody figures out a technology, once somebody figures out how to do something, you kind of can't, you know, the horse is out of the barn. Like you can't really go back, you know um, you know, the idea of sort of um, declining to take advantage of, of some efficiency or some, uh, some power that. So you mean, so for example, once Copilot exists or something like it, even if people said that it's unethical or scammy or something, I, I don't actually know for sure exactly what the criticism is, but I think it's that then too late. It's going to, it's a thing that exists. Somebody will take advantage of it. We might as well try to make it useful and ethical. Yeah. Like we have to kind of, all we can do is try to, is try to live with something, you know, like, um, basically, and maybe this is a broader phenomenon of you can't, it's very hard to like the way that you, it's much more difficult to take knowledge away from, you know, the stock of things that people know it's to put knowledge into the stock of what we all know is a very different procedure. All you really have to do is discover it and like tell somebody about it. And then it starts to kind of get out there but to take knowledge out of the picture is really is is a lot more difficult and requires you know all sorts of it, it requires a sustained campaign you know 
I yeah, don't know. I hear you. No, I, I, maybe I, this is I, off. I, is off topic, no, no. I think I, I definitely. I think I, one thing I think about is um, you and I both grew up in a era before everybody was online, and even before cell phones were super common. And so sometimes I sort of long, you know, if I watch a movie from the '90s or something, I long for that time period when you could just leave your house, and if you're mad, you just don't tell people where you're going. And nobody knows. Nobody yeah. in the entire world knows. <laughs> um, and also how funny it was to think back before cell phones were super common. If you said you were meeting somebody at a certain time, you just kind of showed up at that time. And if they didn't show up, then you waited around, maybe walk around the corner to go get a coffee and then come back. And then they don't show up and you eventually just say, well, I don't know, they didn't show up. But now... And... I have some nostalgia for that because it sounds kind of relaxing, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, yeah. Not to have to text people my location and all of that. But I agree with you. I just don't think there's any way to go back. Like once it exists, once the like opportunity to communicate all the time instantaneously exists, it's more about how do we do it in a better way. Right. Like, for example, I, so I've been networking quite a bit recently, looking at job options and exploring new things. And I can tell you more about that. And I noticed this odd trend I've seen on LinkedIn of people posting their vacation photo, like a beautiful beach somewhere and saying, don't try to contact me for the next week. I'm offline. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not though. (laughs) Like, Like, I mean, maybe you're from now on good for you, but like. That wasn't even possible years past. And it would have seemed really odd if you had explained it to someone. And so I guess the what I'm saying is the technology is there. It's not going away. But maybe we can get to a place where culturally people aren't posting their vacation photos on a professional network and talking about how they're not on the professional network. Because it <laughs> seems almost like a compulsion. Like Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a I think that is a I hope that that's a reasonable hope because I think it's our only hope. I kind of agree with you that you know that I'm not blaming the people who do this, by the way. And I'm sure I've done similar things that are nonsensical using technology. It's just how did we get here? <laughs> like, yeah. Just go to the beach. That's it. Just go to, literally nothing else needs to happen online. That's it. Just go to the beach. And if you want to share it, cool. Yeah. It yeah. Seems odd. It, it was this weird mix of don't try to find me. I'm in Barbados and it's like, okay, but you just told us you're in Barbados and <laughs> you put a picture there. So anyway, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like you're, yeah, you're, there's a way in which despite, your claim that yeah it's like you're not kind of going radio you're going radio silent but you've 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 already indicated what you're doing and so there's a way in which even as you go radio silent you're doing so the fact of you're doing so is this public thing that's been communicated yeah so so there's a way in which like kind of at a meta level you're not being silent about you're going radio silent, you know, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. It just that, seems, it seems almost exhausting. That's all. It's yeah. And, and I think, I think the co-pilot is kind of similar 
maybe, maybe not the same kind of com- compulsion aspect of, but but yeah say i agree with you it's like it's more of a question uh, or another thing that comes to mind is i used to work at meta so facebook's company and feel have some conflicted feelings about that but for people who are sort of anti-social media which is actually totally fine with me i understand if you're against all current social media makes sense but we're not going to a world where that sort of thing doesn't exist. That's 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 off the table now. That's my feeling. Right. There's not right. going to be a world where there's no social media, where people aren't communicating online. And there's a lot of positive aspects to it. Right, right. Um, it's more a question of what kind of world do we want and what sort of products do we want to interact with and how do we want to, say, regulate them. And Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, and I think that my prediction... My prediction would be that in time, there'll be some kind of equilibrium that we reach between the culture of social media using and the products that are successful. And there'll be some kind of equilibrium where, you know, there are, there are people have figured out how to integrate social media in a healthy way into you know, our individual, but also our collective lives and our politics. And um, the products will be tailored to allow us to do those things that is now, that becomes how we do it. Um, but, you know, maybe, you know, in the in the process of like, you know, the, the process of, I remember in the early kind of 2000s, I don't remember, it's kind of funny and I, I definitely have mixed feelings about, you know, kind of admitting all this because it just it just even to me, it makes me feel so makes me sound so old. But yeah, I, I kind of remember when I first started sort of hearing about the Internet. I mean, you know, it's like back in the 90s, but I think it was in the early 2000s where I started caring about it. And. Yeah, there was definitely a weird period where it was kind of ubiquitous, but mostly people didn't care about it. Yeah. And then yeah. something switched. Yeah, and I don't know exactly when that was. It's like I'm, the early 2000s. Something switched. Yeah. And it became like actually important to every person who was not a baby boomer. Right. And then kind of became important to baby boomers a couple of years later. Right. Anyway, right. We, we can move on. But that I, anyway, I, I agree with you about the co-pilot thing. And uh, we'll see where it goes. And uh, I'll share a link to it when we publish this. If anybody's curious to look at co-pilot. And I encourage you to go look at it. I think you'll find it really cool. Yeah, no, I, I'd really like to do that because there's, um, yeah, I don't think it'll be long. One thing that's really exciting about these kind of learning projects like ours is that it really doesn't take too long before you're poised to to realize a fairly sophisticated vision that you have in your imagination, you know, something that you want to make. It really doesn't take long before you're you're really poised to do that. And I think that you know, tools like the one you're describing can sort of increase what's within your, you know, increase your reach even faster. Maybe once we've learned what, how things work and we've built it all out and we understand it, then it will be useful to be like, dude, I'm not just, I just don't have it in me today to write this like function. That's going to be like 50 lines. Right. Right. Of like making this ball move over here. And I can't find any examples online. Just like copilot, just make it happen. Um, yeah, exactly. That would be cool. Yeah. We'll see. So can I tell you yeah, just briefly, like I slacked off in the past two weeks. Um, so 
I did not do my homework. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure. And, hey, it's okay. But, I'm. I teach. Uh, I teach undergraduates. I'm. I, ex- I expect. Yeah. I, I. I already know you didn't do it. That's how good I oh, am. Wow. I mean, not <laughs> not because. Fear. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I've been busy with professional networking. Um, trying to get out of my shell and meet people that I don't typically network with and trying to meet people who have the sort of roles that I'd like to have and talking to them about how they got there and also just reconnecting with people that I haven't talked to in a long time and, you know, hearing their advice because it's useful. Um, so I went to a networking event put together by a group. I can't remember the name of it. I'll look it up and, and share the name of it. But on Meetup, I just went to game development and found game dev group in the Bay Area and um, somebody named Chris, Chris Sims, uh, organizes virtual co-working days. So everybody just meets online and works on whatever game dev project they're working on and in-person game dev co-working. And so I wasn't able to join the virtual one, but I went to the in-person one on Tuesday. So it's at the gosh it's 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 an acronym that spells out made m-a-d-e so it's like museum of anachronistic development equipment or something like that um basically it's um this little corner store space in downtown oakland or next to downtown oakland um that has tons and tons of retro games like physical cartridges you you would love it it's really it's really cool space so they you they have the consoles from going back to the 80s and 90s 2000s they have the cartridges they have even some you know physical arcade games tons and tons of like posters and manuals and things like that i don't know what they do there i've never been there they were closed for the day so this guy chris let me in um and then it was just a space to hang out and work on whatever you want to work on. I was working on professional networking stuff because that's what I was there to do that day. And so I had a phone call with someone and then uh, just chatted with some people who showed up. And I'm definitely going to try to go back. I probably won't be able to go back this coming week. But if they do one the following week, I think I'll try to be there. Um, but yeah, it was great. I met um, three different people. And... Um, they also introduced me to two other discord groups to join awesome and so i'm in a couple of communities for bay area game developers and then they told me was that the game dev community in the bay area is kind of fractured so there's like an east bay one there's a peninsula one there's like a southern east bay one interesting Uh, i didn't i didn't know this i would love to do that um yeah and i'll probably you know hear and maybe offline pick your brain a little bit about how to do that. Cause I, um, yeah, I, I, I think it'd be great to get uh, connected with some of these communities. It's, a, and that part of that part of things has always been, I've always struggled a little bit, you know, like academic conferences, I kind of struggle to like make it to, you know, and, and this kind of thing too, but I think it's really important. Well, from my perspective, I was like, these people can help me learn game dev, which is cool. They can, you know, professional networking stuff but also just people working game dev tend to be Hmm. so even if they're a thousand miles further along in this journey than i am 
it's cool to talk to someone like that because I feel like we can speak a similar language. And um, so just cool acquaintances to make and hopefully oh, yeah. friends or colleagues in the future. Yeah, totally. And that kind of stuff is huge. There's, I, there's all sorts of things that you learn just from kind of schmoozing with people who are, you know, well-established in the game, like whatever, whatever the game is. Um, and a lot of this kind of learning, I don't, I, I don't even know that you consciously register. Uh, some of it, I think, takes the form of, you know, you're, you're socialized into the, into the practices and customs of a certain domain. Um, and yeah. a lot of this, a lot of this stuff is, is really useful and important, um, you know, practically, but also psychologically. Um, so I, th- I think yeah, that's I think, a great idea. Yeah. I, th- I mean, yeah, at the very least met some cool people and I hope to go back and hope to, there's an event this Tuesday in San Francisco. I can't remember what it is, but I'm going to try to go to that. Uh, it will depend on like my toddler. Oh yeah, <laughs> but, totally. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. I forget you I always forget you're like, you're like fully grown up. I'm, you're I'm like, like, yeah, I'm you're s- dad. well, yeah. Well on paper, I'm fully grown up, but, um, yeah, so I gotta make sure that Teddy is squared away, and if he is, then yeah, I, I might. I don't even remember what the event is, but I really just kind of want to go to. I used to go so you know, to bigger picture. I, I used to live in New York City, and um, same sort of thing. I wasn't working in technology at the time, but I was fascinated by people working in game development, and I hope they still have it. New York, NYU had this. Um, game dev center in Brooklyn. So um, NYU bought this Polytechnic University and I forget what the name of it was. Now it's called NYU Poly, I think. And one of the floors of the building, they transferred into this like open floor game dev thing. And they they do a program. I don't know how many years it is in game, develop, game development. And, um, and so they have a ton of events there. So I would go to events there just because I thought they were just cool people. Like, I'm like, I'm a fan. I'm a fan, not even just of the game, but like of the community. And um, then there was a, a weekly, there, excuse me, there was a monthly um, game development meetup that would happen. It was kind of a big deal. Like dozens and dozens or hundreds of people would show up every month and they would have these like lectures about the business of it or the technical or creative aspect. And they would have these um, demo nights where people would bring in their like analog board games, um, arcade games, console, computer games, whatever. And it just felt really cool. I was like, so it, one thing I liked about it was also, I felt like I could just come as I was like, I don't have to actually be involved in the community. I'm just like, Hey, I'm a fan. And they're like, cool. Welcome. That's awesome. Um, so I don't know why I didn't keep up with that over the last couple of years, but now I'm like, okay, let me rekindle that. Cause it's fun to be around these smart, creative people and Again, just be at the very least be a fan and meet some smart, creative people, and maybe they can help me learn some stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd be really interested to kind of hear how that goes and um, benefit from any tips you have about, you know, plugging into the, the, the you know, to, to yeah, these I'll, communities I'll, myself. I'll share, uh, I'll share like offline the links, the meetup groups that I joined and then I'll share when I publish this links to where people can find it. People are super active, super helpful and welcoming. So recommend it to anyone. Sweet. That's really
So that's what I've been up to. Yeah, absolutely. I I I covered a lot of a lot of the things that. Yeah, I was I was gonna say. So I think it would be nice. Um, we haven't published anything yet, but when we do publish it, I would like to. So I'll put all the links to things that we talk about. I would love to get your works in progress. Sure. Because I think it would be cool also to show the progress you're making. Oh yeah. And hopefully I'm making when I'm a little less busy with other things. And, um, oh yeah. And I've, I've part of the, these tutorials that I've been, a lot of times the final step in the tutorial is publish your, the, whatever little thing you made as a, a web GL game and they'll just host it. You know, uh, the good people at unity will host it, um, oh, on their okay. site. Nice. And so I can just get, I can just give you a link, uh, to those things. Yeah. That'd be nice. All right. Well, anything else you want to cover before any, we wrap up? Yeah. Any, have you been playing any good games lately? Because I, I just started a new, it's not a new game, but it's new to me. I've just started, I'm loving it, but I'd be interested to hear if you're, you know, as a player, what, what's, uh, what have you been doing? Really quickly, the only thing, I haven't had a chance to explore it yet, but um, rediscovered, because I'd heard about it many years ago, something called Thread. Oh yeah. This is very this is like so our generation, like full <laughs> like like wash me in nostalgia. <laughs> like, or like the or, the Oregon Trail. It would no, even like text based, like oh, literally oh. just typing commands into oh, the screen. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't know if you ever played those sort of games that are like you are in a dark cabin. There's a table in front of you with a cup on it and you type like get cup. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard about these in and in the last ten years or so I think I tried playing and miserably failed. Um, but yeah, it is. Yeah, they were very frustrating because there would be a lot of, like you, you had to know all the verbs. Like you had to like break out the paper manual and be like, okay, gets not a verb, but you can like pick up as a verb, mm. for example. And it'd be like, I don't know get. <laughs> um, anyway, I thought it would be fun to explore that. That's my understanding of what thread does. So I can explore it and get back to you. Um, yeah, that'd be I've great. Been, I've been thinking about using text-based games as a way to, yeah, just kind of explore some concepts or like potentially when my son is older, like teach him storytelling and reading in a yeah. fun way that's personalized to us, like stories about us or stories about our families. Mm-hmm. So like put put our family as the protagonist in a story. That's an awesome idea. You you, you can create a like a repository of, of fatherly wisdom that can be queried, you know, using <laughs> this, um, you know... Um, <laughs> I don't know, well, you know, and the, with you know, the words, yeah. But this is yeah. interesting because this, what you're talking about is like way before uh, natural language processing or any of that stuff, right? This is like, it's literally searching for a string that you type I think in. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's literally just like, like every single thing you type at the command line was like verb object. <laughs> and so there, were, there was like a list and there, was, there were like 15 verbs you could verb and then yeah. like the objects were only the objects <laughs> that it told you that you could see right now um so so like a big uh, uh, yeah part of i th- part of learning part of getting up to speed with a game is just figuring out what words to use to make things happen yeah, I remember spending, you know, like getting frustrated and being like, 
what do you mean open door? Like, what do you mean you don't understand open door? Open door. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's like, finally, it's like used doors. The ver- okay, that's the yeah. Wait, collocation so, that works. Totally. And is this um, this person or place that you visited recently that has this, um, that has a bunch of classic games and things? Do they are, are there games like this that you ran across there? Uh, I don't know. I didn't really mess with the games. Oh. I, next time I go there, um, I'd like to go. So they weren't open. It was actually just open for this co-working thing. And so it would be nice to go back on a day when they're doing something, like the people who work there, excuse me, and talk to the professionals who run the place. Gotcha. Oh, I see. Yeah, it kind of, it just sort of made you think, of, it reminded you of some of these yeah, exactly. I was I, vintage you know, I, things that you're, yeah, from exactly. Back in the I was day. like, yeah, let me get just go take a deep dive and a nostalgia. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, that'd be really yeah. cool, and I, I'd be interested to know how those kind of games, if if there's if there's special techniques for putting them together, because you know if uh, <laughs> if this is the kind of thing where your your update function will get super hairy super quick if everything is if you're trying to tree out everything yeah that was the other thing i was thinking about so i mean i had i've tried teaching html to nieces and nephews by creating a choose your own adventure hasn't quite clicked with them i thought part of it is i just don't see them often enough but i think also my method isn't there yet by basically being like, let's write a story together and then leaving the like, like, so writing the first page for them, like you wake up in a castle and like, you don't know where you are. Click here. If you open the door, click here. If you look out the window and then they try clicking on it and they say, well, it doesn't do anything. And then be like, okay, let's open up the file. Here's how you make a link. Okay. Now let's make the page that it links to. And I thought it would be cool because it teaches both HTML and then we could teach CSS if they're interested in making it look nice and additionally it sort of starts to teach sort of that creative planning process like because very quickly you would yeah in a text-based case you learn wow like you know if you have two choices at each branch like yeah you know two to the power of anything gets really big very (laughs) fast totally um so and also i thought it would be cool for me to explore because yeah how did game designers and like whatever the 70s or 80s how do they deal with this and how do they deal with it with computers that had very minimal storage and like yeah no i I think that's super i think that's really interesting and yeah that's that's one of the types of games that i haven't learned anything yet about but yeah definitely uh, definitely something i'd be interested in um one thing that i i started playing a game couple of days ago i think it was released in 2019 um it's called the outer worlds it's a uh sci-fi west yeah it's a sci-fi western is uh, it turn-based no it's a it's a first person uh, it's like an first person kind of role player role playing game but also there's just some straight up first person shooting and, and stuff like that um but you're kind of, um, but it's very, uh, as some of the review, if, if you watch any reviews of it, uh, people, people remark that it's, uh, it's very reminiscent 
of a TV show. There's a lot of things that remind you that remind one of a sci-fi Western TV show, Firefly. Um, anyways, but, Mm. and also I think that I, I, also it's, it seems to be kind of like a, a little bit of a mashup of these two other super famous similar-ish games that I'm, but I haven't played them because I haven't played anything because I've just, you know, I probably, I've played less than 10 games in my life. Um, so, but anyways, but yeah, the, the outer worlds and one thing I've been really, um, I'm really glad I found it. Cause like, I, I was kind of like, nah, you know, I was, I was interested in, you know, making my, um, you know, sphere escaping other spheres game. Like this was really interesting, but like, you know, firing up my console and kind of farting around with it was sort of like I'd, I'd kind of been apathetic about that recently so I'm I was really psyched to find this game yeah and I just I kind of feel like the story there's just a lot of story and a lot of character a lot of characters and th- there's just a, a lot of things that I'm finding really interesting and I'm enjoying yeah I think you like exploring I like exploring um, and you like stories I like story I like vibe like I like to sort of feel like I'm in a place with a character and a vibe and a, and a, you know, like feel like a I think, somewhere. I think we, there's a pretty big overlap in our interests in games. I like open world games. I yeah, like yeah, exploring. Totally. Visually beautiful games, some puzzle games. Um, I really like visually beautiful games too. Puzzle games are good. I'm kind of, I've, for a long time, I've worried that I didn't really have, you know, despite, despite my many gifts, uh, you know, uh, a head for, puzzle solving is I'm not, I'm not convinced is, uh, is among them, but, um, but yeah, like, like I've never been really that interested in like Sudoku or, you know, just but like ch- puzzle check out a game called, there's a game called Baba is you. Have oh, I told you about this? No. Yeah. Check that one. It's an interesting puzzle game. It's a um, 2d game where you play as a little character called Baba. achieve some kind of goal on screen, like move a flag onto a goal or something. But what's cool is, and so you like move your character around the screen and push objects and stuff, but what's cool is some of the objects that you control on the screen are words. So for example, there there will be a little block that says Baba, and there's another block that says is, and there's another block that says you. If those are lined up one next to each other, then you can control Baba and move around. If you push the is one block up, so one square up, so it's not aligned with Baba and you, then suddenly you've lost the level because you're no longer controlling Baba. And so there are other blocks like flag. So they will have a win condition somewhere. Typically it will be like flag is win. Wall is stop, which means you can't walk through the wall, but maybe you can move another block. This is water. So it'd be wall is water. And suddenly every wall turns into water. So by manipulating these blocks on the screen, you change the universe that Baba is in. Wow. That sounds pretty interesting. And so the puzzle is like, do I change the wall into water? And then I then I can push this block over here. The thing that makes this thing burst into flames. And then, okay, now huh. I can go to the flag. So there's, there's like a kind of... Um, the game partly... Part of the game is taking place at the kind of conceptual and and kind of semantic level but then also part of it is uh in 2d space or something like moving around words as objects 
Is that that's right? Interesting. Yeah, yeah that move, sounds really move cool. The words around to to change the world that the words are in. Yeah, that's really cool. That sounds cool. And you can yeah. even do things like change, like it says Baba is you, um, and you could put like so Baba is you is horizontal, and you could put two blocks vertically pointing at Baba that say like flag is Baba, and so suddenly there are two Babas on the screen, and when you move, both Babas move. Oh wow. Yeah, it's really neat. Huh. It's very hard, but it's it's cool. Anyway, yeah, I mean, you should check it out. I played it a long time ago and didn't. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. I mean, yeah, there's just there's just so much cool stuff out there and it's it's uh it's exciting to uh you know, have finally, you know, in my life kind of started to catch a glimpse of these things. Although it also kind of makes me feel like um um just like a horrible dilettante, you know, to be even talking about any of this stuff. Cause I know so little about it. Um, so I hope, um, you know, um, you know, the, uh, if anybody's listening, yeah, please forgive me. <laughs> um, no, no. I mean, you obviously, you know, I'm very interested in hearing what you, what you have to say, you know, having, uh, uh, you know, experience in a, in a, a wise and mature perspective. <laughs> Awesome. Maybe. Yeah. So is that? Uh, that's. I think that's pretty much my full debrief for th- for this uh, this last couple of weeks. Looking forward to what's coming next, and yeah, looking forward to publishing little student exercises to accompany these episodes. Hopefully, leading up to some, you know, fully playable and mildly interesting prototype. Uh, I think that'd be a fun uh, and and obvi- you know, eventually, I I would. I was sort of figuring that there'd be some kind of collaboration, you know, we'd, you know, we'd kind of, yeah, culminate in, in some kind of, you know, joint, joint project. That'd be, that'd be 100%. It'd be super cool. Okay, cool. Awesome. All right. I will work. I, I will redouble my efforts to do (laughs) some of my homework and I will also try to go to another one of these game dev meetup things. So I can report back next time about that. Get the Intel. Excellent. Thanks a lot, John. Thanks a lot, Finn. Thank you.